I was really hoping I could keep you all standing the whole time. That would be hilarious. Um, first things first, I have got to say thank you to Quinn. Quinn, you've been an excellent band leader this year. Really Thanks so much for sharing your and your minister's heart with us. And also, uh, I've got to name names. Grace, Andrea, Michaela, Ian, Adam, and Ashley. Who all did I forget in the band? Adam, I think I named you all. You guys are great. Um, I said Michaela. I really appreciate you guys and uh, you all being here. C group leaders, I, I know Kay and Catherine and Miriam are here. Thank you all so much for your service. And uh, all of our side volunteers, thank you so much for all you guys do. And I have to give a special shout out to Elisa. I know you're in your family. Elisa, give away. Um, she must have run off for a sec, but Elisa's a senior, and she's been so loyal. Um, and uh, Quinn, who are you nodding to me? Who did I forget? Oh, yeah, my wife. My wife does so much, I'd be totally out of luck if it wasn't for her running everything, dealing with food and helping me tear down and clean up. So thank my wife for being there. Quinn, I've got some cash for you after the service. Um, if you've been here at ECC for a while, this is a phrase you've heard before. Maybe you're new and you haven't heard it, but we say it all the time on Sunday morning that we want to be a church that reflects the redeeming grace and transforming truth in a college town. That is actually our vision statement. And uh, there are two parts to that, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about that tonight as I send you guys out. If you've been here before, you know that the way we typically work is we kind of zero in and pull out our magnifying glasses on one passage or a section of scripture, but tonight we're going to keep it pretty big picture. I want to give you guys a few words of encouragement as you head out of here for the summer. And in thinking about this vision statement, I want to talk about what it means to us as followers of Christ and the way that we approach our lives, and uh, specifically this summer or maybe even your career if you're leaving town. And uh, when we think about what does it mean for us to be a community that reflects the redeeming grace and transforming truth in, of Jesus Christ in a college town? There are two parts of that that I want to focus on. And, uh, the first is that we're a community of grace and truth in Jesus Christ. That's at the heart of everything that we do. We're people who are founded in the gospel. And so we are not trying to just come up with motivational slogans um, to be really good people and have a nice... Um, garden for the community. Like We're a community of people who are founded in the gospel. People who admit our brokenness and our need for a savior and look to Christ alone for our salvation as revealed to us in scripture. Uh, that is what marks us as a people. And second, uh, we're a people who engage and own our context. We're together for the gospel in this college town. Um, and we have you guys to thank for that. So thanks for being here. You guys are part of our identity as a community here at ECC, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, the second part of our statement here, that really uniquely summarizes our composition, that we have a lot of students, but it also summarizes this unique opportunity that we have to minister to people from all over Indiana, all over the United States, and all over the world. It's pretty crazy, the opportunity that we have um, as the body of Christ here in Bloomington and that you guys have to influence people who are going to go out and influence the rest of the world after they live here. It's an incredible opportunity. Um, another statement you may have heard us say at one point or another is that we want to be a receiving, equipping, and sending community. Has anybody heard us say that before? We want to be a place for receiving, equipping, and sending. Uh, so what we talk about 
in that phrase is that we want to be a group of people who welcome people into our family as Christ has welcomed them into his. By faith in Christ, we're a family. And we want to equip you guys uh, for deeper relationship with Christ. We want to equip you in a deeper knowledge and understanding of God's word. Um, but all of that is rooted in relationship, um, in the word that became flesh. And so we also want to equip you in your ability to live out God's mission and understand how he's wired you uniquely as individuals. We're all created differently, and we're created differently for a purpose, that we might be able to serve God according to the way he's created us. And so uh, we're received, we're equipped, and we're sent. We send people out to the world with that redeeming grace, that transforming truth. And, uh, man, isn't that a cool phrase, receiving, equipping, and sending? I didn't make that up, but I like it. Um, and this really happens on a variety of levels. It happens on a week-to-week -week basis. We're together on a Sunday night, and then we send you guys out to campus. We send you out to jobs, to dorms, sports teams, clubs, um, so many different places. Wouldn't it be really sad if we all just sat here all week and kind of stayed in our little huddle? Um, that can be a temptation. This is a really safe place to be. Um, but the church is meant to be a hospital for sick people and a place that we build you up and send you out that you might serve, not just a place where we hide and take refuge only and never go back out into the world. And so we send you out on a week-to-week -week basis. Uh, this happens on a semester-to-semester -semester basis and year-to-year -year as well. As you guys head home, as you go to internships, jobs, new classes, uh, some of you are going into the mission field. And uh, finally, this happens on kind of a two-year or four-year cycle, um, unless you're a super senior, or maybe a PhD, then you take a little bit longer, right? Maybe even a super, super senior. I hear that's a new trend. But uh, one of the coolest things about ministering in a church like ECC is being able to see you guys grow and your understanding of who God is and how he's created you for a relationship with himself, and then growing your understanding of who you are, who God has made you to be. Those things come together in experiences as you walk through the opportunities God puts in front of you in college. It comes together as you live in relationship and you learn about yourself and you learn about how you can care for others. Uh, it's a really special time, but I have to say there's a downside to this aspect of our church. Um, it is incredibly hard to say goodbye to you guys. I'm so thankful for the time we have together, but it like it wears you out to always be saying goodbye to people you really care about. Um, it's well worth the cost because the reward is absolutely immense. And we're just so thankful for that privilege that it is to be able to build you guys up in your faith and send you out uh, to the world. And so thanks for being here. Um, thanks for being a part of our community because we wouldn't be the same without you. You guys are not just a part of who we want to minister to, you're a part of who we are, and you're our partners in ministry. Uh, you guys are the hands and feet of Jesus on that campus, and we're so thankful that God has given us the opportunity to build you up in the truth so that you can minister to your peers. Uh, it's a really special thing. And so there are two specific words of encouragement that I want to share with you all this evening. Um, so here's part one. The first is I want to encourage you to know, believe, and remember that being someone who is sent isn't just this nice idea that we have for you here at ECC. It's an inseparable part of who God has created you to be through faith in Christ Jesus. There's a passage I want to read to you all from John chapter 20. And so this is the part in the Gospel of John where 
the writer is telling a story of Jesus appearing to a group of disciples the day after Easter. Uh, pardon me, it's actually on Easter. And so Christ appeared to Mary Magdalene on Easter morning, and she immediately went and told the disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead. And what we'll see in this passage I'm about to read, it, it really doesn't seem like the disciples believed her, but they would really soon see that she was telling the truth. And so listen to these words. This is John chapter 20. And I'm going to read verses 19 through 22. So on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so, what we see here in this passage is that Jesus comes to his disciples and gives them this proof that it is him. He really has risen from the dead. You can't really argue with someone showing them the scars in your side and in your hands. It really was Christ. Mary Magdalene was telling the truth. And Jesus showed them the scars to prove it. And so he let them know several times, interestingly, in that passage, that his resurrection had brought them peace. I'm going to assume that they must have really needed to hear it. We read that they were in danger from the Jews who opposed them as followers of Christ. But even more than that, when they saw Christ back, risen from the dead, there must have been a part of them that, sh that thought, like, shoot, we ran with our tails between our legs when he was crucified, and now he's back. And he's like, peace be with you. Um, he's not mad at them. And they had peace for life. This didn't mean things would be easy for them from here on out, but it did mean that the resurrection was such a big deal that it would absolutely overshadow any circumstance with hope because of what he'd done. And so he told them that the resurrection would color the way they would view the rest of their lives. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He's saying they're sent ones. That's part of who... We are as followers of Christ, as his disciples today. That's my sermon title for tonight. You are sent. Uh, in the same way that the Father sent Christ to the world, so Christ sent his disciples. And then he breathed on them the Holy Spirit, his magical breath or something. What is the deal with that? No, he's breathing on them the Holy Spirit, equipping them to minister in the power of God to the world. Kind of like uh, all of you Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe fans, like when Aslan breathes his healing power. Maybe it's a similar... Uh, image for what Christ is doing here, breathing out his power and the Holy Spirit. This is huge. The disciples are being sent on this mission, but they aren't alone in it with simply this inspirational memory of Jesus' life. They're sent out on a mission with the supernatural power of God living inside them, working in them and working through them to accomplish God's purpose. And so as recipients of the same good news, beneficiaries of this same gospel, we are sent out with this calling. We're fundamentally a people who are going somewhere. Um, we are sent on a mission because of the grace God has given us. We are called to shine this light of the gospel through acts of love and service and these words of grace and truth of Jesus Christ uh, that we talk about. And so every area of our lives is saturated with meaning because we are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. There's no area of our lives that falls outside of the scope of God's mission. And we can just participate in this mission in so many ways. We can participate in it in 
infinite vocational possibilities in family life, in friendships, in hobbies, community, involvement. Um, God's mission isn't bound by geography. We have people going to Africa. We have people going to Asia. We have people going to Europe this summer, being sent out by the gospel. But even more than that, we have people going to Wall Street from this church after this year. We have people going to the Hewitt's office. We have people going to their mom's kitchen, to summer sports leagues. The mission of God goes with you wherever you go. And you know what's even more cool? We never grow out of this mission. The mission of God is applicable in all stages of life. The mission of God exists in the nursing homes of Florida. Um, we never graduate from it or retire from it. God is up to something, and we will never be bored. You don't have to worry about that, because your true significance is sealed in Christ. We're brought into his family, um, and we're given a role in his mission for a purpose. And so everything we do matters. Um, on this side of eternity, no matter where we go or what we do, or how young or old we are, we're never wandering aimlessly. We're always the people who are being sent out by Christ on mission. And so, end of part one, remember that. Embrace this mission in light of the gospel. And so, uh, the second piece of encouragement I want to give you guys is this. As you go, I want you to remember that God grows us in community, and he often sends us out through those communities. Community shapes us in a really special way, and it is an absolute gift to us from God that we can be grown in our knowledge of who he is and our knowledge of ourselves through community. But I want to tell you that even more, even more than going out as representatives of our communities, of ECC or CREW or CSF or RUF or FCA or whatever Christian-affiliated acronym you might identify with, I want you to know that even more than that, you go out as a representative of Jesus Christ himself. Um, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. Um, in this letter, he's talking to a church about the way they should view themselves and their mission in that city after coming to faith in Christ. And listen to what he tells them here in chapter 5. He says, Christ's love compels us because we are no longer convicted because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. This is all from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against them. And here's the part I really want to focus on, this last two verses. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so, did you hear that? In Christ we are reconciled to God, and in response to that we are called to be ministers of his reconciliation. We proclaim the good news and encourage others to respond to it, but what's really cool is that even more than speaking words of truth, he says that we live as Christ's ambassadors. That certainly includes speaking words of truth, but it's even more than that. What he's saying is that we're not just 
vaguely associated with Jesus. What he's telling us is that we are direct representatives of the living God. We represent Christ personally in both what we say and what we do. I want you to imagine that maybe next semester you're going to study abroad in, let's say, Germany. Um, and when you head over there, you're just planning to, you know, do the tourist thing and frolic in the Alps. And uh, it's going to be a grand old time. But the day before you leave, you get a call from the President of the United States. And he says, listen, Connor, I know you're going to Germany. I don't want you to go over there and just be this American running around doing his own thing. I want you to go as my personal direct representative. You will have full resources, all the materials that you'll ever need. Nothing will you be lacking because I want people to see me and what you do. And so you go with full authority. You go with full backing. Um, man, everything Connor did would matter even more than it's already going to. Um, you would feel such a such a uh, place of responsibility to know that you are a direct representative. And what I want to say is that is what it's like for us to live as ambassadors of Christ. We are his direct representatives. When people look at us, they are to see Jesus. They see Jesus in us as a result of his work in our lives because we are new creations in him, the text says. And when we live as people of faith in Christ in our relationships and in the places we serve, no matter where that might be, the world can't help but get a glimpse of who Christ is. And so I want to say to you, I imagine most of you know this mission and you found a real joy in it. You found life in it. Um, but if you hear this news and it's really new to you and you want to know how to be a part of it, I want to tell you that God welcomes you into this mission through relationship with himself. And in fact, I believe that God's been pursuing your heart for that very purpose. And he reaches out to you with mercy in Christ. But there's a cost to it. You have to admit your need, your brokenness, and your inability to be the Lord and Savior of your own life. Um, we come to God. We ask for forgiveness and trust in Christ's work on the cross on our behalf. God invites you into that new life through Christ. How will you respond to that call in your heart? Um, I also want to say to you, if you've been following Christ, I want to ask you three questions here. I want to take just a second as I wrap up and reflect on three questions to kind of consider your past year. And you can write them down or tuck them away in your mind for later. Uh, the first question is this. I want to ask you, how has God grown you in faith and knowledge of who he is and in your understanding of how he's created you this past year? How has God grown you in faith and knowledge of who he is and in your understanding of how he's created you? The second I want to ask you is, in what ways has God used you as an ambassador of Christ this year? In what ways has God used you as an ambassador of Christ? And third, in what places and ways do you feel God leading you to serve as Christ's ambassador moving forward? Whether this summer, this fall, or in your career. Uh, how is God leading you to serve as Christ's ambassador moving forward? So I encourage you, before you head home for the summer or take a break, I want you to think just for a few minutes about those questions. Pray that God would direct your heart and mind as you consider those things and what he's done in your life and how he might be leading you to participate in his mission in the future. But what I want to say to you even more so is... Oftentimes when we think about those questions, we can have a real fear of getting it wrong. Um, we can have this fear of, um, man, 
I know God loves me, but he sure would love me more if I was a better ambassador this year. I want to remind you that God's grace on your behalf is all about unconditional love that you did nothing to deserve in the first place, and it's not your job to maintain it by your good efforts. God gives you grace abundantly in Christ. Now, he also gives us a purpose, and we take great joy in doing the work he's created us to do, but that is not a matter of your justification. It's not something that determines your relationship with God. So if you find yourself saying, you know what, I wish I would have thought about that a little bit more at the beginning of the semester. Um, man, let's move in the right direction going forward. Don't beat yourself up about what's happened in the past. Uh, and what I also want to say to you is as you grow, as you progress in age and experiences, God is going to teach you things. You're going to learn, and I want you to trust that God is over that. You may not be able to look at your life right now and see exactly how you're going to serve God in the future. And I want to tell you, that is fully, um, that is not just permissible. That is a good thing. That is very, very much the way it worked out for me in my own life. When I graduated college, I felt this immense pressure throughout my senior year to be able to tell people what this finished uh, picture is going to look like of my life after college. Because the question you're asked 60 times a month in your senior year is, what are you doing next year? And uh, you guys need to come up with a witty answer to that, because you're going to hear it a lot if you're not already a senior. Um, but the way it worked out for me is as I gained experiences, as God opened and closed doors of my life and grew me through challenges, that picture came together like pieces of a puzzle. It was really cool. And so don't feel a need to force it all at once. God is going to work that out. He's over this whole process. And I want to tell you, you have great freedom to seek God and how he's wired you to serve him. And I just love the way this uh, theologian named St. Augustine put his advice on this subject in the first century. Um, so many times we feel this burden to get it right and make sure, oh, I hope I'm serving God in the right way. St. Augustine said it this way. He said, love God and do what you want. <laughs> Isn't that great advice? This is the fourth century. People are like, oh my gosh, like, what should I do with the rest of my life? St. Augustine says, love God and do what you want. Now, I think it's really important to hear that correctly. We need to get this in order. Love God and do what you want. If you do what you want and then say, okay, next I'm going to love God, that's not going to work out well for you. But if you love God first, if you love him and you pursue a life that is based on what he's done for you in Christ, on that unconditional love, you seek to live in response to that, do what you want. I will second St. Augustine's advice. It's an absolute joy to be able to serve others with our lives. That's another gift that God has given us. He's given us everything we need in Christ. And what a privilege it is to be able to spend ourselves serving. Um, so, whether you're heading to a summer job or an internship, the mission field, or your career, I want to tell you, you're not just doing a job. You are going out on a mission from God, and you are being sent. You're being sent, so go with confidence. Go with purpose. Because you're a personal representative of the Savior of the universe. And go in grace, go in peace. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the way that through Christ you have made a way for us to be in relationship with you. And God, in response to that, we are able to live lives of great purpose and meaning through engaging your world. God, you have created us uniquely as individuals. It's no accident that we are who we are and that we're here in this place. God, you've given us gifts and abilities that we might love and serve the world um, according to the way that you've created each of us uniquely. 
and you've given us words of truth and scripture, and you've drawn us to yourself in love that we might experience your grace. And we pray that you would give us opportunities to share that with the people with whom you've drawn us into relationship. And so as we go out for this summer, I pray that you would just open up our eyes, uh, remind our hearts of the truth that we are sent ones, that we are people who are sent out with the good news, and that we are your personal ambassadors. Uh, we are ministers of reconciliation as you have reconciled us to yourself. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.